Hi, I'm Angie Wisdom, and welcome to my podcast, Sharing Wisdom. I'm an author and a keynote speaker and a master certified coach. And for the past 25 years, I've sat across the table from fascinating people, helping them break through their obstacles to achieve success in their life and business. The one thing I've learned and believe to this day is that you are capable, capable of change, capable of greatness, capable of anything you're willing to get serious about. And I want to help you get there. That's why I'm sharing all my wisdom and interviewing some of the most successful business leaders and athletes in the world so they can share their wisdom too. So get present and ready to learn. Welcome to Sharing Wisdom. Hello there. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you feel like you're showing up as someone that you're not? Or maybe that you don't have time to prioritize the most important things in your life because you need to work, 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 and you have goals to reach. Well, if you felt that before, you're going to want to listen in because I have a special guest today. JM is here and he's going to share with us exactly why all of those beliefs are actually counterproductive and how he ended up creating more success by showing up as himself and putting his priorities first. So happy to welcome JM here. He is an international speaker. He's a mindset and business coach. He is a best-selling author, I should say, of the Let's Go Win, The Keys to Living Your Best Life, and the Champions Daily Playbook. So we've got somebody who's got a lot of wisdom to offer you all, so stay tuned and listen in. Welcome, JM. Thanks for having me, Angie. I appreciate it and glad to be here. So appreciate having me on your show. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. um, We have so many similar thoughts of alignment here as far as how you get your best self and to reach the highest level of success. And it's why I wanted you to join here because I find that many times people really do have this mentality of whatever they need to do for themselves, it has to go at the bottom of the list because they're so busy working towards what they want to achieve and that it's really like grind, grind, grind. We've got to put all that first someday, sometime I'll have time for myself. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's so fascinating because uh, I hear people say, I'm going to rise and grind. Well, if you grind and grind and grind, what happens? It it goes away, right? It literally grinds into nothing. So that whole mentality, while I understand what you're saying, it's actually completely counterproductive to showing up as the best version of you. And it is interesting when I meet, especially with my female clients, I ask the same question. I say, hey, tell me what you do for yourself. And every single time with my females, I I take care of the house, the kids, the job, the dog, the car, the company, and the list goes on. I said, no, no, no. I asked, what do you do for yourself? Mm-hmm. And there's such a shelf life to you if you don't take care of you. So it's actually what I tell my clients. I'm like, look, it's the most selfish thing that you're doing by not taking care of yourself. So you Mm kind of have to rewire your thinking a little bit to say, I want to be there for my kids. I want to be there for my job. I want to be there for my husband or whatever partner I have. Therefore I need to take care of me first. And it it is interesting, Angie, because you see it all the time. I don't know where it started, but yeah, I'm just going to go, 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 go. Well, you need to rest. And And so it's one of those things where you need to take care of you first, then you can take care of everyone else. And it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy because of the conditioning that we've received through the years. Yeah, so true. And I love that you brought that up. You say something that I always share with my clients because you probably um, 
you probably have the same type of pushback sometimes where people say, well, it's so selfish to take care of myself. And I'm like, you know what? It's selfish not to take care of yourself because you brought up kind of a different version of like being around longer. But I always say like, who are you showing up as? You're showing up as a shell of yourself, maybe 50% of yourself. And you're telling me that's not selfish when you show up with your to your clients or your kids or your partner with less than who you could really be. And it's that like reframe that I feel like people go, oh, okay. We're such a, like, I call it a given driven society, which is a good thing we want to give, but not to the point where we give to depletion and really then aren't showing up with what we have to offer people. Well, it's totally out of balance, right? If you give, 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 Mm -hmm. and you never receive the universal law will tell you that if you don't receive your everything's out of balance, it's out of whack. And to your point with telling your clients, look, this is actually the most selfish thing. I know every time, okay, this is going to raise their hackles on the back. They're going to get a little irritated at me, but it's just, you kind of need to shake them a little bit to say, look, I know you see it as giving because that's what you saw your parents do. And then you Mm -hmm. saw generationally it's happened this way, but also I want you to look at the quality of life and I'm, it's not to judge it, but could it be better? Could you have happiness, health, wealth, which is the basis of what I teach on is like, you can have those things and it does start by leading yourself. So it is such a simple idea, but again, we're dealing with long, long term uh, conditioning where we've been told to do it a different way. And I don't know why it started. I really don't, but yeah. it's clearly needs to shift. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I don't know why it started, but I feel like mindset is a huge piece of that, right? What we think other people think about us plays into that a great deal. Like, well, if I put myself first, if I don't say yes to everything everybody needs from me, what will they think of me? How will they look at me? And, and so I feel like that is definitely one of the culprits that gets in the way of people really saying, I have some boundaries. I put myself first because they are afraid of that. Yeah. And what you talked about is one of my favorite subjects is every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. So for instance, I have my clients always rank their priorities. Tell me what's priority one kids. It's the family. It's the house, whatever it is. Cool. So every time you say yes to your neighbor that is asking, you're now saying no to priority one, two, and three. Is that what you want? Well, no, Mm -hmm. of course, but that's what you're doing by being the yes man and wanting everyone. You're only giving a little bit to each person and they're all getting cheated. And so it is one of those interesting thing where we think of it as a boundary, which I guess it is, but just the ability to say no. So you can truly say yes to what you, you really, uh, your, your top priorities. And we've lost that ability because we want to be liked. We want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And again, this is hardwires that we've received probably about sixth, seventh, eighth grade where I want to fit in. Sure. I want to be liked. And it's like, okay, cool. But now let's be clear. When you say yes, you say no to something else. Absolutely. So, and you speak to that kind of hardwired wanting to be liked by everybody. And that's an interesting conversation because we know like we can't be liked by everybody. You don't like everybody. 
I don't like everybody. Like everyone that you ask says, oh yeah, there's people I like, people I don't like, but yet we want to be liked by everybody. So where do you start to kind of shift that for your clients when they're in this position of, well, I want to be liked by everybody? Yeah, I think the way you said it, and that's clear why you're a great coach is like you, let's be clear. Perfection is the enemy of greatness. So you're never going to be liked by everyone. In fact, you're not liked by everyone right now. Oh my gosh. Mm. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> and by the way, the more you try, the worse it's probably going to get because now you're not even being authentic. So mm-hmm. when you can just accept the fact that who you are to the surface, to your core is amazing. There's no one better in the world than you, your authentic self. And those that don't like you, that's okay. You're not doing anything to them, right? No. Okay, cool. So why do you want their love so much? Well, I want everybody like, I get it. You shouldn't be intentional about being a good human being, putting yourself out there. And just know Mother Teresa had people that didn't like her either. And she was (laughs) literally, she couldn't do wrong. And people didn't like her and judged her. And that's okay. So it is one of those things, like get people to understand like, That's just a part of life. And it's not something that you want to focus on the people that don't like you just intentionally be a good person and just know that not everybody's going to like it. It's okay. Yeah, it it really is. And I think, I mean, tell me what you think, but I think that too, when people try to get everyone to like them, there's no polarization, right? Like if you want to move the needle with somebody, if you want somebody to be working with you or having a relationship with you you kind of have to polarize people. They're either going to like you or they don't like you. They got to be in your camp or they're not. Because otherwise I feel like they're just stuck in the middle. You've got a lot of people who are like, yeah, he's okay or she's okay, but they're not on one side or the other compelling them to work with you. Yeah. I actually have a rule. I don't allow yes men. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, just yes people uh-huh. around. Yeah. Uh, because I can't work with someone that's not willing to tell me the truth. So for instance, I'll say, mm. would you rather I lied to you? Well, no, I don't want <laughs> you to lie. Okay. So I would just told you the truth and now you, you, you want me to be dishonest. Well, no, I don't want that either. So it's one of those things where we think we want something because we don't want to be hurt or we mm-hmm. want to protect, which has been this thing that's come we're going to protect everyone. And when the helicopter parents, we're trying to protect. Look, that's not the way strong human beings were created. Mm-hmm. I would rather somebody be honest with me. And even if the feedback hurts a little bit, which by the way, it does every time, but they're willing to be honest. All I say is thank you. Thank you for caring mm-hmm. enough about me to tell me the truth that I needed to improve in this area. I was showing up this way in that area. So I don't want those yes people around, to your point, like polarizing figures. I want somebody that'll tell me the truth. And the truth is not always sexy and and gonna feel good, but it's what's gonna actually help me grow. Absolutely, gosh, I love that. I'm gonna steal that, you know, it's almost like having gratitude for someone's honesty in, in saying that, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. It just seems like that sets the stage too, right? Wow, I can be honest with this person. I can share with them when they accept it with gratitude. And that just creates a different foundation for a relationship. Yeah, it started back with uh, my coaches. I had a coach and he was hard. I mean, my high school basketball coach was rough, but he's told me early on, he's like, look, the moment I'm not yelling and caring, that's the moment, you know, I don't care about you. That's when you should be worried. Mm. 
And so mm. I've always kind of looked at it that way. Like, again, I want to do well, but I'm at the point now where if you're willing to be honest and give me that feedback, you're my best friend. And I don't care if you said, you suck, JM. That was the worst book you, I, I can't believe you spent any time on it. Okay, cool. Thank you for your feedback. Can you give me some concrete examples of how I could get better? <laughs> Not taking yeah. it personal just to say, all right, it didn't fit for you. Maybe there's something I could have done differently. So it is, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not easy, right? You have to train yourself to say, thank you for destroying my ego right there. That really was helpful. Right, right. Um, I loved hearing that. It is that. pretty amazing when they're willing to do that. <laughs> it is. Uh, that That is really neat. I'm definitely going to have to use that. Now, you have had businesses prior to you being a coach and a best-selling author and everything. I know you've built a couple of businesses and I don't think it was always like this for you, this coming from a place of authenticity and always putting everything first to have your success. So fill me in on that a little bit. Yeah. So before Let's Go Win, I built three companies in the financial service world. And look, I'm a kid from Montana. I'm pretty simple. I never expected to make as much money as I did so early. And I did when I was in my mm. mid twenties, it was like, Oh, okay. So you can make seven figures a year. And so that was always something that was like, it was odd to me because I just, I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't expect it. And so then I started putting on this facade about how I should have looked as a leader, mm. what I'm going to wear, how I'm going to sound. And we grew, but it was really, really tough. Like it was just blood, sweat and tears, which look, anybody that's ever owned a business, you're going to do that. But sure. I was also compromising so much, Angie, along the way, I was compromising mm -hmm. my health. And early in my 30s, I was, you know, not very healthy. My relationship, my wife and I were separated for a year, which means now I'm away from my kids at least half the time. Mm -hmm. And at what cost? And so, yeah, yeah, the bank account's full, but the two most important things in my world, my wife and my kids, I'm losing for what? And so mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I finally realized like, oh, because you're not being authentic because again, you're wearing suit and tie, which I don't care what people wear, but I'm a t-shirt and jeans guy from Montana, you know? So yeah, mm -hmm. it just wasn't my authentic self, but here's the crazy part. The moment I said, forget that, I'm just going to be me, the business grew even more. My relationships yeah. got whole. I'm working out, getting healthy. And it was like, oh, this is so easy. And I'm spending less time at work making more money. But it took that, that moment of almost losing my family to figure it out. So I just don't want anyone else to have to go through that because it sucked. I mean, I, you know, I'm grateful it happened. But during the time, it sucked. Yeah, and it, it's such an in inspiring story for people because I think there's so much a myth around that, right? Like they they have to put those other things last and grow the business first. But what I'm really curious about is like, was there a moment in that before you decided, wow, I'm losing what's most important to me? Was there something that was keeping you in that space of, I'm just going to continue to prioritize this over these other things? Fear, any kind of feeling in there? Yeah, I, I definitely was wrapped around in fear, providing for the family mm -hmm. and a lot of the people I surrounded myself with now that look, I take full responsibility. It was my actions that got me there. Sure. But the folks I was surrounded by, they were also going through divorce. They were also, and again, mm. I, it's not a bad thing. I, 
anybody gets divorced, it happens often. It just wasn't what I wanted with a woman I fell in love with who I love very much today. But mm -hmm. I got to this point where I literally had lost that. And so, so much of my surrounding environment was set up to succeed in business and everything else was just, it was dominoes that were just falling. Like, yep, your health is going to be garbage. You're definitely out too late and you're drinking too much. And, and so all these things, when you look at it from the outside, it's like, well, of course your relationships were bad. Your health wasn't good. And maybe you weren't the best father at that time. Look at your environment. But in the right. moment, I didn't see it, which I think is pretty mm. common. It's hard to see when you're in it. That's why having amazing mentors and coaches is so important. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of those rose colored glasses, right? And you were seeing what was kind of probably going into your bank account, but not noticing the environment that you were in or what you were surrounded with. Yeah. So and it is fascinating how we, when you lose stuff. So I lost my dad mm -hmm. last year and mm, sorry, it's awful, right? I wish he was here and I miss yep. him every day, but I have a level of perspective since he's passed that I can't, you couldn't purchase. There's no potential mm. way that I could have what I have today. And so I, my point in saying that is whenever you're going through something really awful, you got to look for what is amazing that's coming next. Cause it's going to come. It always does. And so it's one of those deals where, you know, again, I want my dad back, but I have a perspective since losing him because of the way I lost him that I cannot thank that enough that I will live every day to its fullest since that. Mm -hmm. Was I doing it before? I think so, but not to this level. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes when we experience loss, there's a gift with it, you know, a new perspective and new meaning. And I see that with people all the time. Um, question for you, when you made that transition, when you really realize, oh my gosh, I might be losing my wife and my kids and all for what, what did you do at that point in time to make the shift? Uh, well, I did a heck of a lot of therapy. Uh, I mm -hmm. certainly was going through personal development. I, but I think mm -hmm. really I started, if I, if, if I were to pinpoint it, I really got super active again, taking care of my body first which allowed mm. me to take care of my mind, which allowed me to take care of my, you know, my soul, my spiritual side. Um, because I, I wasn't doing it the way I, you know, I was a college athlete to, to kind of lose, I, you know, who I was and to be almost 280 pounds, which as a big man, mm. um, sure. I just, I wasn't feeling great about everything. And so I think that was the start. I was journaling a ton and just reflecting and being really open to the fact that looking in the mirror, hey, man, you got a lot of work to do, but guess what? You can do mm -hmm. it. And once Love once that. I was able to do that and reflect on it, it was like, all right, feels good. Oh, now the business is actually growing, which now is reinforcing all these behaviors. Um, but I don't know how long it would have taken me to find it. I, I'll never know uh, if you know, Lisa and I hadn't a hundred percent split up. So, yeah. Mm. So I heard so many great things in there, right? You had um, awareness, you had reflection, you were giving yourself time physically and mentally by journal journaling. And so you're really pouring into yourself and being aware of what was happening and what kind of results that was, you know, making for you.
Yeah. And you know, it's interesting is today I wouldn't go a day without doing these things, but at the mm -hmm. time that was a big deal, like sitting down and writing your, your thoughts. Well, that's actually pretty simple. It's, you know, a piece of paper and a pen and just go, there's no right or wrong way to journal. That's what it's so funny. People are like, I don't know how to journal. I'm like, do you know how to write? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just start. Well, what do you want me to write about? I don't care. I, you could write about your wall for all I care about. Once you start, things start to flow. And anybody that's journaled knows this, but I mm -hmm. get so much uh, resistance when I coach on this. In fact, my mom, uh, when it comes to meditation, I'm like, mom, uh, are you meditating? Well, no, I can't. I can't shut my mind off. And I'm like, that is not the point of meditation, mom. Like my right, mind doesn't right. shut off. Buddhist monks minds don't shut off. They're actually just aware of what's happening. And so mm -hmm. it's it's interesting how much of a habit and, and routine that it's my everyday life today. But I do remember being in that place where it's like, what do you mean journal? What is what is this? What do I even do? It's like, oh, just start writing and great things will happen. It's, oh gosh, I'm a big proponent of it. And, and there is so much resistance and you know, I laugh with clients often because I actually created a morning mindset journal with prompts to give people a little bit more of a structure around journaling and creating awareness. And, you know, I'll get clients that literally like, this is life changing. This has been so helpful. My gosh, like I see all this. And then I'll talk to them and something will be often like, are you journaling? Well, no, I was good for a while. And it's like, well, why did you stop? Like, that's what was causing the good. And I even, I had a client the other day here and we were reminiscing about him a long time ago. And he said to me at one point, I'm afraid to keep doing it because it works so well. I feel like I'm becoming dependent on it. And I, we know we were cracking up laughing over it. And I'm like, it's okay. You can become dependent upon journaling and spending time with yourself. I'm totally okay with that. Isn't it funny how that happens though? I had a pro golfer that literally had missed, I think it was four cuts in a row. And uh -huh. I had her doing, you know, this basic, the second book is very close to what you're talking about with the journal and the prompts. Okay. So she makes five straight cuts in a row and I, I go away for a couple of weeks. So I, I'm not in touch with her. I get back and she had missed the next two cuts. And I said, Hey, X, are you doing your, your journaling? She's like, Oh no, I stopped that. Things are going so well. And I'm like, let's not stop. Let's keep making these. Right. Cuts. Like, was it hurting you to take 10 minutes for you? I, I you know, yeah. so it is funny how, how people just habitually, it's got to become a habit. It does. And it becomes like your lifestyle, but I often see people treat it almost like medicine. You know, and, and that's another part of our society, right? Oh, something is wrong. So I take something for something and journaling can kind of feel like that to people. Well, I'm feeling really off. So I'm going to journal now. And then when I get back on, I'm okay again to just kind of free flow with everything. And I really say like, it's, it's not something to treat something, you know, a symptom right now. It's a lifestyle. It's about having this constant flow of awareness and commitment and relationship with yourself more than anything else. It's good when times are good. It's good when times are bad. It's foolproof. Yeah. And actually that word, I, I, I love that you said that because I get often people are like, are you a life coach? And I'm like, well, I understand what you're saying. If you said mm -hmm. lifestyle, then yes, a hundred percent. And I love that, that you, I hope everyone heard that because so much of what we're trying to teach and coach is 
this is just part of who you are now. It's your identity, right? And this is your lifestyle. Yeah. Then it's not so foreign to be doing this on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that contributes a lot going back to what you said earlier in kind of, I almost heard a little bit of imposter syndrome or like lack of authenticity when you were showing up as, oh, I should wear the suit. I should be this person. The journaling really brings you to a place of authenticity when you hear what you have to say, when you spend time with yourself. So I'm curious, you know, do you bridge those two together when you were in that place of, you know, maybe a lack of authenticity or imposter syndrome and where journaling came in for that? Yeah. So what I realized early is that it's the greatest form of therapy period. Right. And it's free. Mm -hmm. The paper mm -hmm. has never said, Jam, you are absolutely brilliant. Oh my God. And the papers <laughs> never said, Jam, you're a freaking idiot. It hasn't said anything. Mm -hmm. It just accepts my pen to paper. And so, but what would happen is once I would start going, I would go back and review the night before to be like, all right, let's see what I was talking about. And some of yeah. it was actually like, oh, this is pretty insightful. I could actually utilize this in my business and my relationship. Ooh, that's kind of crazy. That was way out there. And let's not do that. And mm -hmm. but what's interesting is it allowed me to organize my thoughts very much. So like when you write a book, it's like you finally get it all put together. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But when it's all jumbled up inside your head and you don't put it down on paper, it can feel overwhelming to have all this stuff. Sure. And so when you just purge, right, uh, you know, just a brain dump or a purge, that's mm -hmm. when you can figure out some of the genius, some of the crazy and some of the, you know, okay, that was just me venting instead of doing it on, let's say your significant other, instead of mm -hmm. taking it out on your kids, it's like, take it out on that paper so yeah. you can show up as the best version of you. Absolutely. Um, and, and I love you brain dump. I say that all the time to clients, you know, whatever is kind of swirling in your head, get it out on paper because I use the analogy. It's almost like a clothes dryer. You know, those thoughts just keep like spinning around and spinning around and it, it creates chaos in our mind. And really most of the time it's not that much in there. It just feels like it. And when we can kind of lay it out on a piece of paper, it's like, Oh, now we've got a hold of it. Now we can actually see what's there instead of, you know, thought one, you know, flipping and flopping around one after the other in that head. So I, I love that. Absolutely love it. Um, so when you coach people, because obviously you come from a place of coaching experience, but also real personal experience in, you know, building your business in not the most effective way, almost losing things and recalibrating to find your authenticity where do you start with people on how to really start with themselves and be authentic in who they are? Yeah. So I typically start with, tell me, tell me your story. Tell me, tell me about mm -hmm. you. Tell me the story you're telling yourself because we all have one. Right. And often they'll tell me a story and I'll say, is that true? Yes or no. And it's just a very simple question is what you just told me. Is that true? Yes or no. Okay, cool. How is that showing up in your life? Is it supporting you? Is it serving you? Yes or no? Why do you think this way? And then now we start getting into, I think this way because this is what mom and dad taught me in mm -hmm. some of the hard wires. And then if we had a chance to write your story differently, what would that look like? And mm -hmm. it allows people a chance to say, wait a minute, 
why do I think this way? I, that's not even true. This is just something we create these stories. And so that's really my beginning point is I want to understand what they're telling themselves in their inner dialogue all the time, because our brains rarely do shut off, right? I'm telling myself stuff yeah. all the time. Some of it's really good. Some of it's like, oof, maybe we want to rewrite that story or that chapter mm -hmm. a little bit. And so when I do that, it gives them a chance to say, oh, I don't have to be X, Y, Z. I can choose to be whoever I want to be. It doesn't matter <laughs> if I was shy for 44 years. Today's sure. my birthday. I'm 45. Cool. I'm going to be outgoing. You can absolutely do that. It's a choice. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, uh, Angie, where I start with my clients is I just say, you know, tell me the story you're telling yourself. And then we go through a process of about three or four questions. And then we start to work on, okay, we have some, some things to overcome. So good. So anyone's listening right now, you can tell yourself your story right now, you know, figure out what that story is and start to ask yourself, you know, where that came from and how that's showing up in your life for starters. Um, for you, JM, you had something so pivotal, pivotal in your relationship with your wife and your kids that kind of like forced your hand a little bit. And you said, like, I'll never know what would have happened if it wasn't like that. But what about the people who don't have that forcing hand there that maybe don't run into that wall that forces them to change? How do they even know that this is where they're at and they need to make a change? Yeah. So actually the, the word change is such a challenge, right? People resist mm. change like the black plague. They're like, I don't mm -hmm. want to deal. I don't want that. And I get that. Yeah. And so one of the things I work on, and actually the name of the next book is called upgrade. People are so used to doing upgrades. They love to upgrade, even mm. though it's a change. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we change our cell phones yearly, every other year we upgrade them, right? And that's right. pretty common. So if if I'm sitting here listening, I'm like, all right, man, I don't have anything that bad. Okay, cool. Do you like to upgrade? Do you like to go from coach on a on an airplane to first class? Yes. Mm -hmm. Would you like mm -hmm. to do that for yourself? Would you like mm -hmm. to upgrade your mentality from coach to first class? Well, yeah, I'd like to do that. Cool. That's all that's all we're talking about. Don't all lose right. your family. Don't wait for that. Let's upgrade who you are because you deserve it, because you can live your absolute best life today. And so it's really just mm -hmm. checking in to say, hey, how am I doing in these seven core areas of life? Health, financial, family, spiritual, you know, you know, physical health. You go through all the areas and you say, which area am I not quite hitting the, the peak? And you figure that out. OK, can I upgrade? Yeah. Okay, cool. I want to live my best life. And so if we kind of reframe, you use that wording before, and I think it's so proper from I'm changing to no, I'm actually just upgrading myself. Now I think people will be more receptive to it. Yeah, I love that. Um, actually, it's making my mind think. And yeah, we are, again, a society who always wants to upgrade things. You know, it, it feels like I guess some like positive change. It feels like an enhancement instead of resistance. So that's a great question to ask yourself. Anyone who's listening is really, is there an area that I want to upgrade in my life? And that starts to spark that kind of opportunity and awareness on what that might be. Love that upgrade. Hmm. So where did you see for yourself that first upgrade? 
Yeah, it, uh, for me, it was definitely physical. Um, yeah. You know, again, I'm the smallest guy in my family, and I'm like 6'5", 250. So mm. when I hit that point where I was like 280, I'm like, all right, I knew that day would come. I just didn't know it would happen in my early 30s. So that's mm-hmm. when I finally was like, no, dude, uh, I, I like to be active. I'm an athlete. I, You know, that's where I started to upgrade. And, you know, like a lot of things in life, when you upgrade this one part, that health, physical health, well, now you want to be better in so many other areas. So often yeah. it does start there, whether it's our food or, or sleep or our diet. Um, you know, that's where it started for me was really upgrading that physical health side. And I think that's important for everybody. I, I often call it kind of like that domino effect. You know, what's the one thing that you can change in your life? You're going to make me think about that word change now every time I say it, JM. <laughs> what's that one area that you can upgrade in your life that's going to impact everything else? And oftentimes it is that physical. Um, it doesn't have to be because you want to look different. It's because you want to feel different. And when you feel different, you take different action. You live differently. And it's just so important. I think people get hung up on it from the physical, um, you know, aesthetic side of it, looking a certain way, but it's really, it's fuel for our body. And when we move, different things happen for us for sure. So one thing that's so interesting for me is I actually work out every single day, not necessarily for my body, but more for my mind because I feel so much better. Like my wife will look at me and be like, when is the last time you worked out if I've missed a couple days? Uh-huh. And she'll know because I'm short <laughs> with her. I'm being crabby. And she's like, yes. hey, get to the gym, man. Like, I need you up yeah. here. I don't, you're, you're fine there, but I need your, your brain to be nicer. <laughs> right. She's like, quit being selfish and get to the gym. <laughs> Holy. Great accountability. I love that. Amazing. Yes. Yes. I literally, I posted something today when I left the gym and I said, you know, fuel for my day because that's really what it is. Um, clarity and energy for my day. So I'm right there with you on that. So question for you, JM, um, everyone that comes on the podcast, I always want to ask them, you know, it's about sharing wisdom. You've shared a tremendous amount of wisdom with us, but what is a piece of wisdom, you know, nugget of wisdom that somebody has shared with you before that has really just kind of stuck with you and been a, a guiding light for you? So I mentioned my dad earlier, and I I can't just give this Mm -hmm. to him. I'll give it to both my parents. And it's just do what you say you're going to do. It is Mm. the overriding theme of my life where boundaries come into play real quick because I I give everybody kind of like baseball, the three strike rule. Like, look, if if you don't do what you say you're going to do the first time, I get it. You know, stuff happens. Then the Mm -hmm. second time you're like, "Mm, that's unfortunate. But, you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt third time no this is a pattern now and i'm just i'm okay with it i'm not even upset i'm just going to go ahead and move forward and that mm-hmm. has served me so well in business to just mm. do what do what you say you're going to do because people can deal with you screwing up not hitting your your mark they can't deal with you not taking accountability they can't deal with the unknown and so it's it's just one of those things where if I do screw up, let's say I, I say I'm going to do something, Angie, and I can't. Mm-hmm. My fault. There's no excuse for what happened. I don't care if there's a really valid one. I made the mistake. I didn't get it done. It won't happen again. And mm-hmm. that in business, I've done more deals because of when I did screw up. I didn't give an excuse of 
missed a flight or, you know, whatever. It's just, no, I screwed yeah. up. My bad. It won't happen again. So much honesty and trust in that, which is the, you know, foundation of all of great relationships, business and personal. Yeah, Love very that. true. And boy, there's something in relationships. You know what? When, when you screw up, don't defend the ego. Just own it. You know yeah. what? My bad. I screwed up. What do you want out of this yeah. relationship? You want to fight? I, I have a saying. I'm like, would you rather be right and lose or wrong and win? And I would rather be wrong mm -hmm. and win all day long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Well, JM, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. You have shared a tremendous amount of wisdom. I feel like I'm speaking to the male version of me right now. And, and I'm laughing because when so many of my clients hear this podcast, they're going to be like, you guys say the same things. You have the same philosophies and this authenticity and, and fueling yourself first. So much overlap there. So it has been a pleasure having you on. And I want to encourage people to tune into JM's podcast, Let's Go Win. And also um, you can follow him on his website at letsgowin.com. He's got a couple of great books out and another book coming. Is that what you said? Yeah, in about three months, I'll have the next, uh, next one out. Fantastic. So follow him, listen to all that wisdom from JM and um, go be your authentic self and prioritize yourself to have greater success. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you found your dose of wisdom for the day. And remember, just don't take it in, live the wisdom and share the wisdom. If you like this episode, give us a like below and comment. Let me know what you think. If you want to be sure to catch all the episodes of Sharing Wisdom, hit that follow button. If you want more of Angie Wisdom, you can go to angiewisdom.com and sign up for Words of Wisdom or follow me over on YouTube and Instagram at Angie Wisdom Life Coach. 